This podcast was produced by Big Night Media, a proud partner of Big Night Entertainment. Hey, you know what? It's really fun to be here. Y'all know that theme music. Tatum drives down and throws it down. This is my What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up? How we doing, how we doing? And welcome to episode 208, episode 208 of the Banner Branch Podcast. I'm your host and favorite Boston Celtics season ticket holder, Timmy G. How's everyone doing? Hope you had a great weekend. You can find me on the Twitter machine at BannerBancher18 or on Facebook and Instagram at Banner Branch Podcast. And as you know, part of the Big Night Media team with some great podcasts like No Limits with Kevin Cooney, The Wicked Fast Podcast, Daycations, Be Fit, Music You're Missing, A Chance to Strive, Eat the Damn Cake, Drinks After Work, 30, Flirty and Surviving, and one of my favorites, I'm the promoter, he's the DJ. And of course, you can always check out Card Vault Breaks. They just announced that they're going to be doing a card show at Fenway Park in Maine. So go follow them on Instagram at Card Vault US. You can also check them out on Whatnot, Facebook, and YouTube. And you can check them out in person at Patriot Place or at Foxwoods Resort Casino. You can also follow Big Night Media at www.bignightmedia.com or... On Instagram, at Big Night Media, you can always check out Timmy Ticket Tuesday for your chance to win free tickets to upcoming shows at Big Night Live. And most importantly, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, rate the podcast, and go get your Banner Banter Podcast merchandise at BigNightShop.com. New merchandise, out now. Go check it out. All right? Thanks so much. All right. Now that that's all over and done with, let's talk about the current state of the Boston Celtics. They are back. It was a long time. It was a long break. It was tough. Those like three or four days with like not only just not the Celtics, but like no NBA at all. I mean, I'm, I am a college basketball fan, so I get to watch my Duke Blue Devils a little bit. But March Madness is right around the corners, which is just bananas to think about. Yeah, actually, what? Today's Monday the 27th? Yeah. So we're literally two days away from March because February is fucking weird. But anyways, uh, the Celtics are back from the All-Star break. They've won their first two games back from the All-Star break. They beat the uh, Indiana Pacers 142 to 138 in overtime and Philadelphia 76ers in a wild game, uh, 110 to 107. They now have won the season series against the Philadelphia 76ers. uh, not only the 76ers and the Nets as well. So two top five teams in the East. They've won the season series over. Uh, They're even with, who are they even with? The Bucks, And then they are down 2-0 against the Cavs. So again, a lot of basketball left to be played. They're 44 and 17, 21 games left. They're still in first place in the Atlantic, still in first place overall in the East, but they're only a half game up on the Bucks because they simply cannot lose. The Milwaukee Bucks cannot lose, and it's driving me crazy. Uh, they've now won 14 games in a row after beating the Phoenix Suns yesterday, and they did that without Giannis, who not only had a wrist injury and only played like one possession in the NBA All-Star game, um, went to like a medical treatment place in new york about the risk came back played first quarter left because of a knee injury and the buck said he's day to day but 
you know, no news has come out about it. So I wonder if it's not that serious. But here's the thing. I don't know when the streak for the Bucks will end. And the Celtics have a very, very hard week this week. The Celtics are playing three out of the top five teams in the East. The Knicks, the Cavs, and the Nets. So they're basically just not playing the Bucks. They play the Knicks twice, the Cavs, and the Nets. So that's pretty crazy. And then for the Bucks, Nets, Magic, 76ers, and Wizards. So win, win, maybe a loss and a win. So all very, very, very interesting. 76ers, uh, they're now four games back after their loss to the Celtics on Saturday night. They played the Heat twice this week, the Mavs, and the Bucks. So they have a brutal week coming up. But before we get into that, just something real quick about the Miami Heat. Um, whatever they're doing, they can stop it right the fuck now because it's it's starting to bug me. And what I mean by that is they've lost four games in a row, and they have the 76ers twice this week, the Knicks, the Hawks, and the Cavs twice in their next seven games. So 76ers twice, Hawks twice, Cavs twice, and the Knicks, and they're playing bad basketball. And listen, I know they're not playing well that much overall this year, but they would be a very scary eighth seed if the Celtics can close out and get home court throughout the playoffs as the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. They're only up one game on the Atlanta Hawks, who are currently the eighth seed, and two and a half games up on the Raptors, who are currently ninth, which is crazy. And the Hawks are getting a new coach in Quinn Snyder, uh, former Utah Jazz coach. Well, you know, it was Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert and that whole crew. So that's going to be very, very very interesting how the Hawks respond to that. And if the Hawks, I mean, if, if the Heat keep playing poorly. And listen, I know the Heat can get their shit together because Eric Spolstra is arguably one of the top three best coaches in the NBA. And I am also very confident that the Celtics can beat the Heat in a seven-game series. I know they can, and I know they should, and they could, and they will, hopefully. But I also know how well the Miami Heat play the Boston Celtics. It's just an uneasing feeling seeing how poorly the Heat are playing right now and looking at the playoff standings. And listen, I know they still have the play-in because 7, 8, 9, 10, they all play for position, blah, 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 blah. I just don't want an Atlanta Hawks-Boston Celtics 2008 first-round situation where the Celtics dominated all year and had to have a seven-game first-round series. I think that would give us all a heart attack. So whatever the Heat are doing, you guys can fucking stop. All right. But anyways, uh, even though there was only two games this week, let's get right into stud and dud of the week. So um, hit the music. And now it is time for the Celtics stud and the Celtics dud of the week. Okay, your stud and dud of the week for episode 208 of the Banner Branch Podcast. The stud of the week is Jalen Brown. Just so everyone is aware, just in case you really haven't listened to the podcast that much, Jalen Brown is the most important player on this basketball team. Okay, let me say that again. Jalen Brown is the most important player on this basketball team. Did I say the best? No, the most important. Thank you. The Pacers game, minus missing those two free throws in the fourth quarter again. And yes, I know he can disappear late in game sometimes. He was a huge part of their game plan in the second quarter, which helped the Celtics expand their lead because Miles Turner couldn't stop missing. I'm sorry. He couldn't miss a three-pointer. 
if his life depended on it. I think he hit a career high eight or nine three pointers. I think my buddy Big T won like a freaking parlay bet off of it. Like the fact that you're betting on Pacers players is weird, but whatever. But anyways, in this game, Jalen Brown was very aggressive and you could actually argue he's more aggressive with the mask on than he would be the mask off when he's attacking the rim. He led the team with five offensive rebounds. The Celtics were unbelievable um, rebounding the ball, especially offensively against the Pacers. I think they had 20 overall as a team, which is just absolutely fucking bonkers. But then the 76ers game, Jalen scored the first eight points for the Boston Celtics. Literally, Al couldn't score, Rob couldn't score. And listen, I understand that Al made some big shots, and it got me juiced because there is nothing I love more than how much Al Horford hates the city of Philadelphia. He regrets going there, and he loves to shove it in their face, and I love that. But anyways, back to Jalen Brown. When you think about it, first eight points of the game, he had that huge steal on Embiid, weak side defense. Cause, and, and if you actually notice it, one of the reasons why the 76ers kind of got back into that game against the Celtics was the second Embiid um, lost that ball to Jalen Brown when Jalen Brown came weak side and stole the ball and went in for the dunk or the layup. I forget which one it was. Um, he instantly caught it and went to the rim. He wasn't waiting around because the Celtics did a great job. Any single time or every single time, Embiid just like stopped. What The second he caught the ball, they would double him and it would cause absolute havoc for the 76ers offense. But when, he, when Embiid caught it and then just went, he would get to the free throw line 9 million times. But when you look at it, Jalen Brown scored 10 points in the fourth quarter, which is something he hasn't done in a while. And he continues to stay in a rhythm, whether either A, Tatum's on fire, or B, Tatum has gone on a cold streak. And Jalen Brown deserves more credit in that 76ers game than Jason Tatum does. And listen, I am glad Jason Tatum made that three-pointer. It was a great play by Joe Mazzulla, an incredible pass by Marcus Smart. But hopefully that shot gets Jason Tatum going because he hasn't been great shooting the ball since the All-Star game where it felt like he couldn't miss. But Jalen Brown is the reason why the Celtics were in that game. And he deserves a hell of a lot more credit than Jason Tatum does for hitting that game winner. Now, the dud of the week is Joe Missoula. The 76ers game, just thinking about it, is really like the first time I've been like fucking furious with Joe Missoula. I mean, let me just say this before I really spiral here. Number 12 should be very very lucky Joe Missoula fucked up the lineups late in that 76ers game because number 12 only played six minutes in the Pacers game and he wants $20 million a year. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. Anyways, listen, I know Marcus Smart made a, f- like, like I just said, made a fucking sick pass to Jason Tatum for the game winner, but there was zero reason why Marcus Smart should have been out there. Zero reasons. And listen, I know his defense is great. He knows how to run the offense, blah, 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 blah. But the way Marcus Smart was playing that game, chirping to the fans, in foul trouble, couldn't hit the, literally couldn't hit the Liberty Bell if he was standing with Benjamin Franklin. He was, he was not good at all. Derek White was very good in this game. He was borderline unreal in this game for the Celtics. Derek White, I know the plus minus thing is so fucking stupid, but Derek White was a plus 25 in this game. And Marcus Smart was a minus 22. Now, for those of you at home, that is a 47 point difference. That means the Celtics were basically 47 points better. Like, I I can't even... Sorry, 
I'm getting so mad at this. I can't even speak English. So, so I apologize. But listen, that is a 47 point difference. And the Celtics only scored 110 points. Derek Wyatt was a plus 22 and Marcus Smart was a minus 22. So what the fuck are we doing here, Joe Missoula? He has to figure out what works very soon. And listen, you can be a hater for, and I'm sorry I keep saying listen, because that, obviously that's what you're doing because it's a fucking podcast. But for the haters out there who complain about Joe Missoula not calling timeouts as fast as possible, and oh, why isn't he calling the timeouts? You're pretty damn lucky he had a timeout at the end of the game to draw up that old school Brad Stevens ATO to get that Jason Tatum three-pointer. Because if not, he wouldn't have had that timeout and maybe that play wouldn't have happened and the Celtics could have lost in overtime. So again, it sometimes should have used them. Yes, I agree with you, blah, 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 blah. But in that moment, it actually worked out and it was actually okay. Get what I'm saying? Great. But here's the thing. I feel like Joe Missoula feels like he has to start or has to finish the game with starters. And that's not always the case. It doesn't have to be that way. And if, again, like the Jalen Brown is the most important player on this basketball team, I've been saying this a lot forever. I don't care who fucking starts for the Celtics. I really don't. It's about who finishes the game. And last night, or Sunday night, Saturday night, sorry, I don't even know what fucking day of the week it is. Saturday night, You didn't need the double bigs out there. You didn't need Rob and Al out there at the end of the game because they had their best players. They had Maxie and Harden and Tucker and Harris and Embiid. You don't need Al and Rob out there at the same time. I mean, Derek White, I think, is a pretty good fucking option when you don't need a double big, whether it's Derek for Rob. You have to keep Al out there because he was shooting lights out, or Marcus. I mean, you could even argue, if you really wanted to spiral, that Jason Tatum shouldn't even been in the game late. And what I mean by that is like maybe with like three, four minutes to go, but then maybe when it gets down to like two minutes to go, you bring Tatum back in. But Derek White should have been in that game. And the same goes for the Pacers game, too. The closing lineup should have included him. And you could argue, oh, maybe Malcolm Brogdon should have been out there, but maybe Missoula liked a, a matchup, and that's fine. And I get it. And listen, I'm excited the starters are back. Who, I mean, who isn't? It's lovely. They were the best starting five in the NBA last year. And I understand that they've only played one game in the first 59 games together, which is insane to think about, and they've now played two straight. But Joe has to be a coach of adjustments. And that is something that has to be figured out before Marathon Monday, before the playoffs start. That has to be something done as soon as possible. So your stud of the week, Jalen Brown, your dud of the week, Joe Missoula. Okay, the four games that the Boston Celtics have this week, let's do a quick little preview of it. Um, they will be at Madison Square Garden tonight, Monday night, versus the Knicks at 7.30 p.m., then back home for a nice little three-game set against the Cavs on Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. on ESPN. And then another game on ESPN on Friday night, March 3rd, against the Brooklyn Nets, which is also my sister's birthday, so happy birthday to my sister. And then back home on Sunday against the New York Knicks again at 7.30 on ESPN. Sorry, I didn't know if it was ABC or ESPN, so I had a little bit of a brain fart. Sorry about that. But yeah, so Knicks on the road, Cavs, Nets, Knicks at home. Very interesting. Let's talk about the two games against the New York Knicks this week, which will be the last time the Celtics see the Knicks this season. Jalen Brown will not be playing tonight uh, on Monday night due to personal reasons, so hope everything is okay with Jalen and his family. Um, And then the last time that these two teams played, Thursday, January 26th, right before the, the Lakers game, 
the Knicks won 120 to 117 in overtime. Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson combined for 66 points, went 7 and 19 from three, while your two stars, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, combined 57 points and went 3 of 15 from three. But Marcus Smart didn't play in this game. So it'll be interesting to see if Jalen Brunson can still score in that well, because I think he scored, I think. He scored 29. So it'll be interesting to see if Brunson can still get to his spots with Marcus Smart on the floor. And then when Marcus Smart's not on the floor, oh, hey, it's Malcolm Brogdon. You know, so that'll be very interesting. The Knicks have won five straight, uh, including wins over the Hawks, Pelicans, and Nets, which are all playoff teams as of right now. Mitchell Robinson is back in their lineup, who's one of the better rebounders in the league. So Rob will have his hands full, that's for sure. Uh, They also picked up um, Josh Hart at the trade deadline. Former Pelicans player, Trailblazers player, great bench guy, can shoot the three, can defend well. And him and Quickly will be a nice matchup against uh, Derek and Malcolm Brogdon, for sure. So if Malcolm Brogdon and Derek White can slow down Hart and Quickly, this will help the absence of Jalen Brown, for sure. But when you look at it, in the month of February, the Celtics and the Knicks are tied with the second-best record in the NBA behind the Milwaukee Bucks because they haven't lost since, I'm pretty sure, 2020 at this point. They're a top three offensive rating team, 12th in defensive rating, uh, defensive rating, and the second best rebounding team in the NBA in the month of February. Number three, rebounding-wise, the Boston Celtics. So who's going to control the boards? Can the Celtics contest shots for Jalen Brunson? Can they limit their second-chance points? And the Celtics should be able to win this game without Jalen Brown, especially on the road. Now, Tatum likes to play in these big moments, you know, like, oh, it's Madison Square Garden and all that. Oh, it's the all-star game and all this stuff. So I'm expecting a big game out of Tatum. If he does, I'm going to be kind of pissed. But anyways, then Wednesday night, Cavs. Yes, the Cavs game. Ugh, I know. It sucks. It really does when you <laughs> when you think about it. The Celtics have lost to the Cavs twice this year in overtime. Unbelievable. When you actually think about it, the last game that they played, they, the Celtics lost by one point in overtime when like three days previously they lost to the Cavs in overtime. That was on October 28th and November 2nd. A lot has happened since then. And, and that includes the Cavs. They've lost three straight games before they beat the Toronto Raptors on Sunday night big. I think they beat them by like 25 points, maybe even 26 points. It was like 118 to 93 or something like that. So they lost to the 76ers. They lost to the Nuggets. They lost to the Hawks. So are they playing? Can they not compete with the big guys? Who knows? 76ers, you could say the Celtics are better than the Celtics. Nuggets, you could say the Celtics are better than the Nuggets record-wise, and obviously the Celtics are better than the Hawks. But for whatever reason, the Cavs love to play the Celtics. And it's very, it's very annoying. The positive about this is, even though October 28th and November 2nd, the Celtics did lose both of those games, Rob Williams didn't play in either of those games. And that November 2nd game, Derek White only scored three points after taking four shots, and we all know that's not going to happen again. And to be honest with you, the Cavs bench, minus uh, Karius Levert, stinks. Danny Green, who they got in a buyout, veteran guy, good defender, can shoot the three. Ricky Rubio, I'm all set. Osman, haha. Uh, Lopez, I think it was Robert Lopez. Yeah, nope. Bum, your brother's better. Dean Wade, ha ha ha. So the Cavs are a very top-heavy team. So the Celtics have to take full advantage of their bench depth in this game. And when when you actually think about it, this game kind of needs to be like exactly like the 76ers game on Saturday night, obviously without the stress. 
if you can win the minutes when a couple of their starters are off the bench, like like Garland or Donovan Mitchell are on the bench, kind of like when the Celtics took over when Harden and Embiid were off the floor, that's how you're going to beat this team. And then you just have to survive the rest whenever Donovan Mitchell or Darius Garland or whether it's um, Mobley and Allen are not playing together, things like that. That That's where the Celtics bench depth comes in and can go a long way. So Smart needs to slow down Garland, that we know. Tatum and Donovan's pretty close. Jalen is better than Mobley. Hopefully Jalen will be back on Wednesday. Rob and uh, Robin, uh, oh my God, what's his first name? Jared Allen. Jared Allen. That's kind of like a wash. And Al is better than anyone else they got in their starting lineup. So here's the thing. The Cavs, even though they haven't played great as of late, they are top six in both defensive rating and offensive rating in the month of February and will have two days off coming into this game. And they're not afraid of the Celtics. So if the Celtics can survive their starting lineup and the Celtics depth comes in, this could be another victory for the Boston Celtics. And then we'll end with this, the Nets game on Friday. And listen, I said this a couple weeks ago after the trade trade deadline, after they got rid of Durant and Kyrie. Excuse me. Oh, there's my burp. I'm not going to edit that out. Nope. My buddy John Curley loves the burp too much. He always laughs at it. So yeah, I'm not editing that out. Anyways. Um, so after Kyrie and Kevin Durant got traded during the All-Star break, or I'm sorry, before the trade deadline, which was before the All-Star break, I think that the Nets are pretty talented, like, on paper. I know they've lost four of the last five games. They're a new team, getting used to each other. Jacques Vaughn got a contract extension as their coach, so he's going to be coaching for a bit in Brooklyn. Ben Simmons won't be playing, so whatever. I don't know if that's better for the Celtics or better for the Nets. I mean, I'll let you uh, decide that. But Spencer Dinwiddie. Mikel Bridges, Cam Thompson off the bench, uh, Cam Johnson, Dorian Finney-Smith. Those five guys to me seem like they've all gone off against the Celtics at least once or twice in their career before, and that's kind of annoying. They can score. This team can score. When they're on, they're on, but when they're off, (laughs) oh me, oh my, it's really not a great look. And then they got shooters off the bench. They got Joe Harris and Seth Curry off the bench, and that's it. This team has zero size. Yes, I understand they have Nicholas Claxton, who's one of the better big men in the league. Him and Rob went at it um, a few weeks, uh, the start of February. And I thought it was great to see Rob go up against another young, athletic big that is Nicholas Claxton. But I'm telling you, they have no one else after him. They have Royce O'Neal, who is tough. You know, for sure, he can definitely throw a body in there and be physical, but they got nobody else. And the Celtics have to rebound the ball very well because they didn't rebound the ball very well against the 76ers, and that was so annoying. But Al and Rob have to dominate the glass, limit their second-chance points, and then Jason and Jalen can be themselves and, you know, one drops 32, the other drops 30, or vice versa, whatever the case may be, and those two can combine for 60 points, the Nets aren't beating the Celtics. So... Oh, the other thing in that game that I feel like the Celtics have to pay attention to is if their defense is on po- like top-notch switching, the Nets have no chance. So I, I think this this might be like a 3 and one week for the Celtics, which will be okay because unfortunately that could mean the Bucks are going to be in first place. But overall, I, I like the matchups that the Celtics have this week. They're going to be tough. But then after that, they, they got some pretty easy games going forward. They now have the 14th... Um, 
hardest schedule in the NBA. So they're kind of slowing, you know, slowly going down the strength of schedule. Last week they were 10th. Now they're 14th. So that's going to be very interesting to watch. And uh, I think that's going to be it for episode 208 of the Banner Banter podcast. Thank you so much for listening. As always, you can find me on the Twitter machine at Banner Banter 18 or on Facebook and Instagram at Banner Banter podcast. And yeah, that's it. We'll talk soon. Toodles and noodles. X's and O's. Bye-bye. Sorry, but I'm gone. I'm history. I dedicated my life to the Boston Celtics. I dedicated my life to the fans of Boston. I did my very best to please each and every one of you. Good night.